Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, every now and again I get to interview someone who've been dying to interview for a very, very long time. I'm delighted to welcome the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, to the Real Health Podcast. Simon, welcome. Thank you very much, Carl. How's things? Things are good. All set for uh, Christmas? No, uh, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to forget it's coming up every now and again until you see uh, lights on in the street or a Christmas tree in a window, but um, we've we've a while yet. We've a little bit, yeah. I'm fascinated with yourself. What drives you? Uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Was politics always what you wanted to do? Um, you're exceptionally young for the position that you have, and I'm fascinated by people who are successful and uh, what drives them. So, what was politics always something you wanted to do? Yes and no. I mean, it kind of happened by accident. So, my brother Adam uh, was born with a condition on the autistic spectrum. Uh, I was a moody, opinionated teenager living in Greystones. Um, He's seeing the difficulties my family were facing, uh, the lack of information or knowledge we had about this new condition that was now uh, really, I suppose, taking up a lot of my family's time and we were all trying to learn about it, frustrated that we didn't maybe know where to go for support or information. So I randomly called a public meeting in my hometown um, back when I was 16. As you do. Uh, as you do, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was always a bit odd. Um, but, uh, to see if anyone else in the town was kind of experiencing the same thing. And about 60 people turned up in a kind of parish hall um, all saying that they either had autism or were living with autism or were the, the moms or dads or brothers or sisters of people with autism. And we set up a group that night called the AAA Alliance, uh, the AAA being Autism, Asperger's Syndrome and ADHD. And we started, I suppose, providing support and information, arranging social days out for families of kids with autism. And we also started campaigning. Um, there was a new secondary school being built uh, nearby and we campaigned for it to have an ASD facility. Um, so I started through my work as with meeting politicians, uh, being frustrated with politicians. And uh, Enda Kenny was then the leader of a very depleted Fine Gael, and he was travelling around the country and he was actually meeting with disability groups and, and I met him and he kind of said, you know, you can keep on kind of grumbling and giving out uh, or you can get involved. Uh, and to cut a long story short, I, I ran for the council and then the doll and ended up in the doll at 24. Um, so kind of by accident, I often blame my brother <laughs> <laughs> um, for having me in this position. But uh, no, that, that's, that's kind of how it happened. So I suppose through advocacy uh, and activism, I ended up here. Do you enjoy it? Yes, most of it. I mean, the theatrics of it, um, the formulaic stuff, the bureaucracy is is very frustrating. But the fact that if you work really hard at something, um, you can actually make a difference is is something that that keeps you going on the difficult days. So there's loads and loads of challenges in the health service. There's loads and loads of challenges in our country. Um, But if you try not to boil the ocean, if you try to pick different things and say, I really want to make a difference here, you actually can. So I remember when I first became health minister, meeting a lot of families um, of people with cystic fibrosis and indeed people with cystic fibrosis and they were campaigning for access to new medication. And it was a very difficult and challenging time, but we've now achieved that. And, you know, only 
only a number of years ago, people with cystic fibrosis in Ireland um, were living less than the average uh, across the EU. And now, thankfully, that's not the case. So you can make progress. I, I came in through, as I said, working on the issue of autism. We now have an agreement with the HSE that we're going to put in place Ireland's first ever national autism strategy um, in 2019. Things like on women's reproductive health um, through working on the referendum campaign with so many amazing people across the political spectrum and civic society. We've managed to make change. So, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. Uh, there's many tough days in this job, but um, those sort of things keep you going. And is it the progress that really gets you out of bed yeah. in the morning when you've had a really tough day, such as last night, you were in bed very, very late. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting an email to say that, look, you're having <laughs> a lie in or something, which would have been very warranted. Um, is it the progress that keeps you going, then it keeps you, dri- or what, is there any other drivers for you that keeps you driving forward? In, yeah, in it's the, the progress. And it's also the sense that people are depending on you getting this done. Like I'm very honoured to hold a job, one that I'll hold temporarily. Um, you know, one that I'm lucky to have for a period of time. And, you know, every day you lie on or every day you try not to actually put your best foot forward is a missed opportunity. And I don't want at the end of my tenure to look back and go, God, if only I had to work 10% harder. God, only, if only I had to come in that bit earlier that day, if only we had to focus our mind on that. So those those sort of things, knowing that you're in a job that won't last forever and knowing that there's so much you want to get done, um, it does keep you going. And knowing that people are depending on you um, trying to make that progress. And would you consider yourself a workaholic? Yes. You have to be for this role. I, I think, think you have to be, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's again, it's it's a bit cliche to say it's not work if you enjoy it, but uh, I don't really, you know, it, it becomes somewhat all-consuming. Um, and it, I really do enjoy what I'm doing. You can see that anytime I've seen you speak, even already so far, you have a passion that comes with it and people can only provide that when they're actually passionate about what they do. Um, okay, let's flip it a bit. How do you find balance then? Because presumably you're always on, and again, from you know push, trying to push policies through, you're hyped. There's a there's a huge element of trying to come down. We were uh, interviewing Adam Clayton from U2. We asked him actually the very same question, and his was a, was a cup of uh, chamomile tea before he goes to bed after the concert. And I'm not, I'm like wow. But so what, how do you create balance? How do you calm yourself and, yeah. and mind yourself in terms of stress, in terms of health, after? A phenomenally busy day. So I'm still very much learning how to do this. So I don't wish to. <laughs> I don't wish to give too many, too much advice to your to your listeners because I'm very much in the space of getting advice and indeed following your weekly Twitter tips on how, how to live you. a healthier, healthier <laughs> life every, every week, or at least picking some of them. Yeah. Uh, some of them strike me as a bit quirky, but they can uh, be very quirky. <laughs> and you know what? That's why people follow them. Every week there has to be a quirky one or two Absolutely. in there. And, I, and my wife proofs them with me. And, and the, the, there was one or two particularly quirky, which she proved it. So it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, I, I suppose on a serious level. Um, I'm very lucky in my life to have people that have very little interest in politics who support me in what I do, uh, but aren't politically obsessed. So when I go home in the evening, um, you know, my wife uh, is not talking to me about what was on prime time uh, last night or, you know, what came up at leaders questions in the doll. I have a group of friends that have been really supportive uh, to me and indeed have helped in my campaigns and the likes. Uh, But, you know, I'm their friend and they're my friend and uh, I'm not a minister or a politician when I'm around them. So spending time with family and friends who, who genuinely keep me grounded and, you know, uh, knew me before I was a minister and will know me after uh, I'm one as well um, is something that's very important to me. And they'll always tell you things straight, presumably. Absolutely. They'll never beat around the bush. Absolutely. They can be your, your, most, honest, uh, your most honest critic and, and that's really important. So, you know, getting a chance to chill uh, on occasion, not as often as I'd like, uh, with friends and family is 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 something that I really value, uh, but something that does obviously help um, help with my own stress levels as well. I have a dog, 
uh, a very small rescue dog called Poppy, uh, who we rescued from an animal uh, sanctuary in West Wicklow called Ash. Uh, so I'm lo- I love dogs. Uh, I'd like to have about ten of them if I had if I had the time. It's questionable. I was really had the time for one. My my parents. Did you bring your up... dog in on, on bring on dog to work day? <laughs> we haven't had that yet. Could you imagine? <laughs> um, so so my dog Poppy uh, taking her for walks. We we live near a, near a forest in uh, in Greystones. So having a chance to walk that and the cliff walk uh, from Greystones to Bray um, as well. So those those sort of things. But I mean s- simple simple things really I suppose doing what normal people like to do when they're outside of the work environment just getting to switch off uh, for a few hours but I, but I do need to concede I, I'm nowhere near as good at this as I should be because um, your working day presumably is a lot longer than the nine to five it would have to be yeah I suppose the most frustrating thing about the job from the from the balance point of view that you that you raise is not being able to predict what will happen um so you know over 100,000 people work in the Irish Health Service. People do an incredible job. But in the country that we live in, any time something goes wrong in any part of that, it very quickly works its way right back up uh, to the Minister for Health's desk. So, you know, it could be it could be what you think is going to be a quiet Sunday morning until you turn on the radio or open a Sunday newspaper. Um, so you, you can never fully, and nor should you ever fully, when you're, when you're honoured to hold the position I have, you can never fully switch off, um, which does make it difficult to plan um, in the way that perhaps you would if you had a more regular job, if that's the right phrase. Yeah, yeah. So you have a very understanding other half? I do. I do. Uh, I keep on telling her she knew what she was marrying. As <laughs> 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 a TD, uh, we only got married uh, just over a year ago. So I was, I was a TD uh, and I did the minister before we, before we got married. So uh, I promise her it's not forever, though. And in terms of... Ex- the, the being a minister, not the marriage, but that's forever. <laughs> well rescued. Just in case she's listening well to rescued, that. Well rescued, just in case. <laughs> um, in terms of exercise then, mm. food, diet, you're on the, you travel a huge amount, um, both around Ireland and within Europe and, and the world, I'm sure. Uh, what kind of role does that play in managing stress for you? Uh, so as a, a government, I suppose this is probably the, visibly the healthiest government we have potentially, led by Auntie Jack, who you know runs and, and, yep. and does all of that. Yep. How does exercise fit into your life and, and, and health fit into your life? And can you build it around work? So just the point you made about the Taoiseach, I think, is a really important one, because I thought there was a bit of kind of... You know, a bit of, I, I don't know what it was, but there was a little bit of sneering when Justin Trudeau came to, to Ireland. It was the best thing the, ever. That photograph to, was yeah. epic. It and I mean, put the us t- on a whole scale of, uh, previously it was it was pints in the bar, generally. That was every kind of That's big exactly photograph. It. I mean, this idea that everyone who comes to Ireland has to get a pint of Guinness and be photographed with it, and that, that shows that you're the president or the prime minister who's visited Ireland. I thought that image being replaced by by a Taoiseach who values fitness running running around the Phoenix Park with a prime minister in yeah. Canada who who values fitness, I think is important. So I'm I'm nowhere near as fit as a Taoiseach, uh, nor 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 nowhere near as much into my exercise as the Taoiseach is. He really enjoys uh, working out. When I was about seven, uh, I used to play soccer for Greystones United and my dad was the manager of the local soccer team and I remember begging him to let me be in goals. Come on, dad, please let me be in the goals. And eventually father gives in to son and put me in the goals and I think I let in about seven goals in about ten minutes <laughs> and shortly after I hung up my, my, my sporting boots and decided this wasn't going to work out at all so what I try to do in terms uh, of keeping fit is is to walk more and to move more and I think it's very important in a job um, like a lot of people's jobs where, where, where you're sitting at a desk or sitting in meetings um, it is to try and get up and move around a bit and I'm much more conscious of that now uh, than I would have been even only even only a short time ago so I have a Fitbit Great. Um, which I actually don't have on me today because it's I forgot to so charge it when I got in late last night. Um, <laughs> but but I have a Fitbit, which and, and I do notice that actually makes you so much more conscious. You know, yeah. it, it vibrates on your arm if you haven't done a certain amount of steps every hour. So I do try to walk around. I try not to use my car uh, to go from A to B in the city, and I try to walk uh, from location to location. So when you're based in the Dáil. I'm over here with you in my department now, you know, t- taking those what are small walks, but yeah. getting up and about uh, and moving on food. Um, you have to make a real effort here because. 
you know, because you eat at irregular times, um, you do have to obviously be careful what you eat. I think the doll is getting much better as a workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started as a TD in 2011, uh, there would have been a lot of kind of, you know, just the traditional kind of meat and veg sort of thing. They now obviously have uh, salads and fruit and a greater mix of things as well. Okay. So so we try to keep an eye on it. And is there pressure as Minister for Health? to look healthy and be healthy and live healthy. I get it as a personal trainer. Yeah, well, you know, that's, and it's yeah. my life, it's how I lead it. And that's, yeah. it, it's perfectly, it ties in with what mm. I do. Is a pressure as the health minister to be, you know? I don't, I don't feel a pressure, but, but I feel more conscious about the issues. I mean, okay. if you're sitting in a department and you're talking uh, on a daily basis about, you know, the effects of smoking, um, about the fact that many cancers can be caused due to, to due to your lifestyle and that you can actually reduce your risk of cancer um, in terms of how you live your lifestyle and how you live your life um, when you're trying to pass legislation in relation to alcohol to tackle the very corrosive relationship we have with alcohol in our country. Um, you know, it's very hard then to just switch off and forget all of that. Um, so you're certainly much more aware. I'm certainly much more aware uh, of these issues and the facts around them and the realities uh, that bad health and ill health can have uh, on our population. And we have a huge amount of work to do here. Like, I mean, I'm the Minister for Health and we spend so much time talking about illness, you know, rather than actually what can we do to keep people healthy. Uh, and I'm really enthusiastic about that. Um, we're trying, as you know, and, and indeed have been involved with uh, through our Healthy Ireland brand to really actually say, well, of course, when you get sick in the country, we have a duty to care for you. But can mm-hmm. we actually try to keep you healthy longer? You know, people in Ireland will now live longer on average than a man or woman. Uh, in the EU. So we've men, men in this country will live longer than the EU average. Women will live longer than the EU average. A baby girl born in our maternity hospital today has a greater than 50% chance to live to be 100. So, I mean, these are great statistics. 50%. Yeah, these wow. are great, cha- you know, great statistics. But living old is only good if you can live well. And live healthy. And yeah, live healthy older, and, and have healthy, active lives. And, and that's why it's so important, you know, even when you're, when, when you're my age, thir- 32, you know, that you're beginning to realise the decisions you're making about your lifestyle now will have an impact uh, on how you live the rest of your life. So, uh, so I suppose it's a long-winded way of saying I'm much more conscious about these issues now. And as a society, it's very much an obesogenic society that we live in. We have 60% overweight or obese. We have one in four children that are overweight. In, ter- in terms of changing that... Yeah. There's a hu- there can be a huge amount of resistance from people who are unhealthy, who don't like being told what to do in terms of policies, like the, the sugar tax being one, the alcohol yeah. bill, I'm sure, being another. Mm. Um, firstly, what policies, this is a horrible question, but I'm going to ask it. What policies are you most proud of getting? Are there any policies in particular that you're, you're proud of getting through? Yeah, when it, comes to, when it comes to a healthy Ireland, I'm so proud that not just I, but that the Iraq, this, the Department of Health, supported by civic society and amazing clinicians and a health alliance passed the public health alcohol bill. So up until we did that, and we only did that a couple of months ago, the only time we ever dealt with alcohol in the parliament was when we were putting taxes on it. So it was all just, you know, the kind of the budget day announcements. We'd never before passed a piece of legislation about our relationship with alcohol. Um, And you know what? Vested interests worked morning, noon and night to stop that legislation. Um, They effectively stalled it for a thousand days. Uh, This was a piece of legislation that started when Leo was Taoiseach. Uh, Marcella Corkin Kennedy was then the Minister for Health Promotion. She continued it and then I picked up uh, the baton as well. And, you know, there were so many spurious issues being raised by industry to try and stymie it. And in fairness to politicians across the political spectrum, uh, they listened to the medical advice uh, and we got it there. So I'm really proud that we now have, for the first time ever, on the statute books, uh, public health legislation. The next thing, though, and I think I'm really, really think we need to do this, is we need to realise that when we're going to tackle obesity, we need everybody to step up to the plate. And we had a really good outing uh, recently in the National Sports Arena where we talked about the built environment. Which on its own is, a spe- it's, it's an amazing, incredible, incredible I've been out there several times incredible to film, facility. I've been out there to yep. train a couple of times. Yep. 
it's it's you walk in and you're just like it's inspiring and it's, to, to it's, see children out there in um, schools going out there yeah and children to be in that environment and yeah. be like i'm what am i 36 i was awestruck just looking around and i really wanted to do more you know to do more stuff and it, you're motivated just being there yeah no it, no absolutely but i mean the idea so what we did what we did on that day was we brought together architects and planners and people from different government departments and people from county councils and we basically said listen everybody in this room has a role to play in how you make sure our society can help people live healthily and yes the department of health has a role to play but actually when you're planning a town when you're planning a village when you're developing a community what you put where matters so I, I live in Greystones and you know a number of years ago we saw a, a number of schools being built growing area lots of lots of kids needing school places some really big new schools built and then what happens right beside the school a fast food restaurant comes in mm-hmm. and says we, we'd like to plonk ourselves right here it's entirely coincidental entirely coincidental <laughs> that we'd like to put up the big golden arch uh, beside beside the school and entice all the children with happy meals it's entirely coincidental and, my, and I, I'm so proud to live in a community that actually said hey we're not going to stand for this and they then became the first county in Ireland to pass in their development plan no fry zones basically saying as a community as we and this is nothing to do with where existing restaurants are but as we move forward when we build a school when we put in a playground we'd actually like to create an environment mm-hmm. that helps parents helps kids uh, and helps promote healthy living uh, you know if you have a school besides schools you should have playgrounds you should have parks you know you should have um, public transport opportunities and uh, not this you know not this creating this obesogenic environment so I suppose the question I'm now asking as health minister and I'm asking stakeholders and I'm going to keep asking it and people can accuse it of nannyism if they want is what are we going to do as a society to actually put in place a suite of policies to stop us becoming one of the fascist nations in the world mm-hmm. um, it should be a cause of concern to every single one of us it should be a cause of concern to you uh, as a soon to be new father and to me as a soon to be new father that we're going to have nearly one in three children in this country being overweight or obese I mean, that's a frightening statistic. And I, I like this country winning prizes and winning awards, but winning the world's fascist nation is not where we need to be. And if we're going to make sure that that's not where we're going to be, we need to actually look at what we've done in relation to alcohol, look at what we've done in relation to tobacco and support communities. And one of the things we're trying to do through Healthy Ireland is rather than the government saying, you must do this and talking down to people, we're actually saying, well, as a community, what are you going to do? So we're going around counties now and asking every county to come up with its own healthy plan for its counties. Healthy Wicklow, healthy Mayo, healthy Roscommon. What are you going to do in your community? Who are the leaders in your community? So it's very much a grounds up approach, which is it starts in the community, you work together and you see what fits for for your community as opposed to a blanket blanket approach. So as minister, I should and will support communities with resources and we have a Healthy Ireland fund. And as you say, we've brought in policies like the sugar tax, like the public health alcohol bill and that has a role to play but equally empowering communities to play their role in meeting in the middle I think is where we need to get to Wow and in terms of industry you're obviously you've no fear of industry you don't seem to whatsoever which is yeah you, you just so in terms of not just the fast foods sure. but in terms of watching you go through the alcohol bill that in terms of food do we need policies on that level in terms of healthier food packaging on food labelling on food so that people can make healthier decisions even the calories on menus yeah I mean, I think the short answer is we do. And it's not about it's not about being anti-industry or, or anything like that, but it's about realising I have a job to do here. Um, 
industry is great, <laughs> great jobs and employment. We have nothing but respect for that. Uh, but we also have a duty of care to our kids and our and, and, and to families and to communities as well. So I think we need to look at things like calorie counts. Um, we need to look at things like packaging in, in general, by the way, because it's an environmental piece uh, in, rela- in relation to that as well. We just need to look at wh- why should we be afraid of giving citizens as much information as possible in relation to their own health and their own well-being to make those decisions. I mean, we, you know, people in this country are intelligent, smart individuals. You give them the information, you let them make the decisions. Like one of the campaigns we launched recently um, called Make a Start is so powerful because it's about basically saying to parents, look, you're busy. People live busy lives, running around, getting, getting in in the evening to make a dinner and stuff. It's not easy uh, for busy families in a modern life. But what we need to try and do is help you have the tools to know that actually if you make that one little change, buy that one product and instead of that product, change that snack for that snack, you can actually give your child a really different life. And, and there's no doubt there's, there's not a parent in the country who wouldn't want to do that. But we have to give them the tools. Um, another example, I suppose, we had this crazy situation where we were going around as a department saying, you know, we want our kids to eat healthy food. And yet we had a situation through other departments where we were funding schools for school meals, but there was no joined up thinking. We weren't making sure that the school meals were healthy. So we will now only pay out for the school meals uh, when they actually meet a code that we've put in place to make sure kids actually get healthy food. And that's a really good example of joined up thinking uh, under the Healthy Ireland umbrella. And will we or would we see a similar approach being taken to hospitals? Hospital food. Oh, I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the one of the regular comments I used to get and still get, and pictures on Twitter and, and emails to me and stuff are patients in their in their hospital bed taking pictures of the tray of food that's been put down in front of them. And and I should say to be honest, it, it varies a lot. I don't want to suggest that it's all bad. There's lots of good examples too. Uh, but we need to actually make sure that the food's nutritious. Uh, we need to make sure things like hydration are looked after in our hospitals. So we have had a dietitian do a big body of work and in 2019 we're rolling out a new hospital food policy. Wow. Um, so we'll look at a couple of things, obviously the nutrition value of the food, but it'll also look at things like making sure patients have protected mealtime. You know, if you're being given your lunch or your breakfast and you need to get your strength back up, you can't have a doctor or a nurse coming in and poking and prodding at you and bringing you for a test then and you <laughs> miss your meal. So it's kind of joined up thinking and um, I think that's going to be an exciting development in 2019. Wow. So that's one of the big developments coming down the line. What else have we got coming in the future? What else would you like to see in terms of policy to improve the health of the nation? So I think I think a couple of things. I think from a legislative point of view, making sure that we enact all the public health alcohol bills. So it's passed now, it is a law, but obviously there's lead-in times to bring in some of those measures. Looking at what we need to do on the built environment piece that I just outlined to you there in terms of obesity. Do we need legislation? Can we work on a collaborative level? These are questions we need to bottom out uh, in 2019. And we need to continue to put a huge emphasis on stuff that you've championed and that Healthy Ireland have championed in terms of getting this message out that everybody can actually do something to protect their own health. So things like the park runs, uh, things like the Make a Start campaign, realising that very small you know, in terms of cost, very small public awareness campaigns can actually mm-hmm. make a really, really big difference to people's lives. Right. So it's very much giving people the the the, the confidence, the education, the tools, empowering people to make those decisions Absolutely. when they have the right kind of the right the right information. That's right. Okay. Final question or two. Um, January. Yes. Even arrival coming. Yes. Paternity leave. Yeah. I, I like. I'm delighted that, to be part of a government that's introduced it. Um, I think this idea that. Um, you know, this idea that it's all just about maternity leave and that the father doesn't have a role to play, doesn't have a responsibility and wouldn't want to play a role is an old-fashioned idea. The families come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and uh, and many men um, want to and need to and should uh, step up to the plate in relation to their duties there and that's what I intend to do too. So yeah, I hope to have a, I hope to have a chance to, to take some time. Um, my, my sense of it is you never get that time 
back, back if you yeah. don't. So it's not something I can say, oh, should I take it in six months or 12? It's not the same as you and I, I'm sure, will realise soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly it's my intention uh, to try and take some time. And like, you know, I'm part of a team. Uh, I have a number of junior ministers who work with me. Great team of officials here. Lots That's of people in the HSC, who, might, so. who minds the shop if the Minister of Health goes away for two weeks? <laughs> the Minister of Health never fully goes away. <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I work with a really good team of people and I have a ministerial team in the department here and uh, I'm sure they'll manage to keep things ticking over, but I won't be too far away. But I do hope, uh, I do hope to get a chance to, to spend a bit of time with our, with our newborn. Fantastic. Well, have a wonderful Christmas. Thank and you very, very much. And the very best of luck in the new year. Um, folks, you've been listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I really hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. I've been looking forward to it for a very, very long time. And uh, hopefully you'll take some tips out of the interview from uh, Minister Harris as well. Minister Simon Harris, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.